Thanks to Sportsmate and the A-League Live app. Garcia sees red around the VAR. Tony Sage causes a Sturridge stir-up. Sydney FC find themselves in unfamiliar territory. And never mind Popper Ball. It's Papa's Ball up there in Newcastle. This is the Weekly Wrap presented by the Far Post Perth Podcast. Welcome to the Weekly Wrap, presented by the Far Post Perth, a podcast. Blaine Treadgold with you, Tommy Dolman next to me. Afternoon, Tommy. Thanks, Blaine. Good to be back. Mate, uh, another big weekend, round two, done and dusted. Uh, we're gonna, these, keep, uh, these weeks keep going as quick as they are. The season's going to be over in no time. It seemed to uh, just flow on, didn't it? Yeah, lots of action as well. And, and as we sort of alluded to in round one, a, lo- a lot of close games once again. The only real sort of blowout, I suppose, of sorts that we had was the victory game um, in the A-League men's competition. Um, so, yeah, as predicted, teams are still sort of trying to find their groove, but we did have some entertaining clashes and some some talking points, which I'm sure we'll get onto as well. And just, I mean, just a snapshot after round two, it doesn't look like I thought it would after round two, I've got to admit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still early, so teams are obviously trying to find their positions in the pecking order, but it's been very pleasing to see... I mean, I think the teams that we all suspected would be battling early on, albeit with the caveat of it only being two games played. The Jets look really exciting. Wellington have got four points on the board after two games as well. Um, and a couple of the teams like Melbourne City and Sydney FC have also dropped points as well and, and haven't looked perhaps as fluent as we'd possibly expect. So, mm. yeah, it's all uh, it's all very interesting. It's all very early in the season, of course. But, uh, but yeah, it certainly sets things up nicely going forward. It did all start on Friday night. It was uh, Perth Glory who went down to Western United. Fair bit of controversy in this one, uh, Tommy. Um, Richard Garcia, not too happy about um, the ball. Uh, It looked like it was out to me. Let's talk about the game itself first, then we'll get to the controversial parts. Um, Just a game of missed chances for me. How did you see it? Yeah, I I mean, it wasn't the greatest game, was it? I I think there was... I think it was two teams. Obviously, Western United have been on a bit of a losing run themselves at the back end of last season, if if we remember that as well, and they were still looking for their first win under John Aloisi. Um, the glory were obviously still a little bit rusty. We spoke last week about the, that lack of pre-season. It still looked as though they were trying to find their fluidity as well. It was a really strange game because I thought there was chances in the game, even though the game did lack a bit of quality at, time and, at times. And if Bruno Fornaroli takes one of those two chances, which came to him on his left foot, I think there was one in either half, then, then perhaps the, the game takes on a different complexion, but um, look, I mean, it's amazing how the narratives can change on mm. these big moments. Um, if Glory sort of take one of those opportunities, hang on and claw onto a 1-0 win, then suddenly we're maybe lauding them a little bit more for not playing great, but getting the points on the board and, and saying there's things to work on as it stands, just the one point on the board after two games and two tough games coming up makes it look tricky. 
It, it does. It does. There was some positives, though. I mean, it wasn't all doom and gloom. And as you suggest, had we come away with the points, we probably would have gone, hey, that wasn't a wasn't a bad performance. Uh, we went over there. We did what we needed to under tough conditions. We know we've got this run of very, very difficult away games. And to pick up points where you probably wouldn't or, or shouldn't, for that matter, in a lot of people's eyes, doesn't look like a bad result. But because you don't, it, it, we do start to, to get a bit picky and start to, to pull this performance apart a fair bit more. Um, I thought Bodnar, Luke Bodnar, was probably our best player. Uh, just seemed to do very, very well in that midfield. Um, I thought, however, we were really missing someone like a Brandon O'Neill to just control that game that little bit more. Um, how did you see, I guess, in individual performances across the park? I thought there were two standouts for me. I think you touched on Bodnar already. He, he really sort of grabbed hold of the game, I thought, particularly in the early part of the second half and the back end of the first half. And I was surprised that, that Western United didn't... They almost didn't give him any respect. They, they didn't put anybody on him. They didn't press him. And he was able to just sort of um, move around at the base of the midfield. And it ultimately ended up seeing Glory have, have more possession by the end of the game, mm. which um, was quite interesting. I also thought Daniel Steins was brilliant again yep. in, in that starting role. He's a player who likes to pick up the ball and make things happen. I've seen plenty of that at, at Gwell up, and and he's done that um, previously as well um, uh, throughout his time time really that I've seen him play. So I think they were the two big pluses on the day for me. Um, it, there was a lot of defenders on the pitch for the glory. Um, and that's probably another positive to take. I know people are sort of looking at the forward areas. We're, we're looking at Keo, who's obviously out. We're, obviously, Sturridge will, will come on to. Fornaroli, Sardinero as well. The, the likes of these players are the ones that we're all looking to because they're the match winners. But I think the defence has actually defended pretty well for the majority of, of, the, of the first two games. They were under a lot of pressure, particularly on an Adelaide game, and had to with, with sort of... Uh, weather a bit of a storm there. And I don't think Western United had anything majorly clear-cut either When throughout no. the game. They, oh. they didn't have... I wouldn't say they were ever rattling the chances at the glory no, throughout I thought, the game. I thought Perth were on top for large periods of the match. I thought that the the area that we did start to lose the ball was mid to the front third That was and just couldn't score. Had we got those two Bruno one-on-ones and possibly the uh, Nyon Gabiri where he literally all he had to do was swing a boot at that yeah. ball it seemingly on TV or always said uh, a little bit more easily in front of the box than uh, when you're actually there. But um, we're looking... In, in fine form at, at that stage, had those chances, had we taken those three uh, guilt as chances, pretty much. Correct. But isn't it interesting, Bone, that we're talking about Bodner, we're talking about Steins, uh, we're talking about Neon Guevara, mm. and, and I thought Bramwell was, was a, showed a little bit of energy in his cameo yep. as well. It's very interesting how we're talking about the younger players. Burt Gilroy last week we touched on, who was fantastic. Who was still good. Late. I thought he was still good on, on Friday he, night. He, he wasn't as, as prominent, I suppose, mm. going forward, but he was still still lively and had some nice signs. Very interesting that it's the young players that seem to be impressing us at the start of the season. Do you see any correlation to that in particular? Maybe just that freshness or some of the, the older players perhaps still looking to get up to this. Is it maybe? a freshness or is it a these guys have been playing together with each other for years now? Yeah. They're they're cohesive. They they, they play they're playing a similar system to what and we talked about this as as far as the FFA Cup match went. Um and that was um 
the fact that these guys have been uh, playing under Garcia, now they're playing the same system under Ruben Zakovic and, and Chris Coyne uh, with the same bunch of lads, essentially. So um, I reckon there's possibly something in that. I think we saw the, 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 um, that come to fruition a little bit in that FFA Cup uh, game against, uh, against Melbourne Victory. So... Uh, yeah, it is interesting. And just having a bit of a look at the guys who backed it up as well, even if it was just on the bench, uh, Collie, Cook, Coyne, Rawlins, Bramwell, uh, Donnell, uh, who all came off the out of that cup game. So uh, there is a freshness there, as it suggests, but I think there's a real uh, cohesiveness. And as I suggested after the FFA Cup game, um, if I'm Richard Garcia, I'm seriously looking at these guys because none of them looked out of depth in that FFA Cup game. And if you're a senior player, you'd be watching your back at the moment. No, and, and particularly if O'Neill's going to be... We, we don't obviously know whether O'Neill will be back. Mm. Uh, well, I, I don't know anyway. I've not particularly caught up with the team news. But if, if you're looking to sort of beef up that midfield a little bit, you could do a lot worse than, than put Gio Colley in there, who's obviously sure. knocking on the door. Um, and, and Chris Donnell, whilst whilst maybe not ready for, for first-team football on a regular basis just yet, he is going to be a super player in the years to come. He showed a lot of that energy... Um, I think I, I tweeted out that he's uh, he's a player I've watched very closely and one of my favourite players to watch in the league when I've done the MPLWA games this season. He just has a, a, a bite about him and a real attitude that, that I love. Not afraid to get stuck in, really mm. good pass through the ball, plenty of confidence as well. He's one to watch for the future. But uh, yeah, for, for sure. And I, and I think that energy is going to be very important, particularly on these long stretches of, of games that we've got on the road when as, as, as the glory do try and at least get some points on the board to get back to WA with a, a decent total or not too away from that top six mark or top half of the table to press on later in the season. And also the depth that that's bringing as well to say that there are guys who can come straight into a side and not be overawed and know, know, know the game plan and know how Richard Garcia wants to set up just on Steins. Um, a question is he likely to be? And we're not. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to replace Diego Castro as we had it. But is he going to be the likeliest one to play that Diego Castro role and drop and pick up the ball and be a, be a, be that little creator, if you like? I think his best position is definitely to play in that number mm. ten role. Um, he's a player who, from when I've seen him, I think he's he's better off central. He's a player that you want on the ball. You don't want to put him out wide. You don't want him um, cutting in. Um, but he's a very intelligent player, and, and he's got great vision. He knows how to spot a pass. He's also capable of scoring a goal as well. So, look, I think there's definitely something in him. I, I'm just really pleased. We, we saw glimpses of him um, in the, obviously, last season in the in the A-League, but also um, in the Asian Champions League as well. I thought he was he was pretty good in that competition when he got his opportunity. So, yeah, he, he's definitely a player that I think is only going to improve as the, as the season wears on, and I think you're going to get a lot of people jumping into the Daniel Stein's final. Uh, fan club by season's end. Mm. Um, Adrian Sardinero, he's starting to look okay, though, isn't he? I, I didn't mind. I, we know that it's going to be a softly, softly approach with him because he has had a period out and the quarantine restrictions and the like. But I, I thought he was handy on on Friday night. I, I think he's once he starts to come into the fold and gets to learn a little bit more about the players around him, I, I think he's going to be quite handy. A couple of little moments, a couple of little flashes like he showed in the first game at home. But I think with Sardinero, it's going to be interesting for him because, as we've touched on before without wanting to harp on, no storage yet. Keo's out. Fornaroli's obviously sort of played a little bit of that. Uh, he, he almost played that centre-forward number 10 role against mm. Adelaide. Then he was essentially the centre-forward with Keo out against uh, Western United on Friday night. So he's obviously still trying to gel 
with that um, that front line, if that makes sense. But the front line sort of already changed a little bit after one week, and there's still place to come back into that. So look, um, like you said, it's going to be a bit of a slow burn with Sardinero, but we've seen enough flashes from him to sort of say, okay, there might be a player in there that the glory can really utilise as the season wears on. Mm. Um, let's talk about the controversy. That was the ball that seemingly went out of play. Um, I'm just going to take you back to this. This is Richie Garcia after the match. I've seen this still now, and I've seen that the ball is out. Honestly. What do you, where do I go? What do I say to these, honestly? To be honest, you can't even talk about it anymore. That's, that's... I'm without speech. I'm without speech about it because, honestly, it's, it's an ongoing battle. And we either fix the system or we don't use it at all because it's continuously happening in games over and over again. Is he right? Tell me. We've got this system that we don't seem to want to either use properly or use to its full capacity. Why isn't there a camera on that byline? If that's the whole idea of having a video-assisted referee, if you don't have the tools for the video-assisted referee to make a proper decision... What's the point? Oh, I completely agree. Um, yeah, it was it was a very strange moment. Um, my initial reaction upon watching it live was it was out, and then I've seen a few screen. I saw a few screenshots as I was sort of going through the social media afterwards, and some people had conveniently freeze framed the ball in the areas which suited their bias on on both sets of of fans, I suppose, which is always going to happen with these sorts of things. But from the majority of the, the pictures that I saw, there looked as though there was daylight between the goal line and between the ball. But it goes back to your point, Blaine. We didn't see a replay on the coverage either. Well, mm. At least I, I wasn't shown a replay of the ball, whether it had crossed the line or not. I don't know. I don't necessarily is. want to see a replay. I just want to make sure that the tools... Uh, well, we first of all, we have the correct tools and the equipment. Seemingly, we don't. But can I say, though, if, if the ball crosses the goal line um, for a goal line decision system, we see the replay. We see whether the ball has crossed the line. We see a replay of that. Mm. Surely you'd think if it's a game that's decided by one goal that we are going to see a replay on the television from the broadcaster of that key incident and the sort of mechanics of it because mm. all it does is have make people ask questions after the game and, and question the technologies you hinted on. Well, yeah, yeah, you've probably hit a hit a good point. Hit a good point there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I, I think it just comes down to having the having the correct equipment and the correct tools there to be able to make the decision. There's no point in having a having the same angle as what we had because you can't make a definitive. No, and that's probably why the goal stood because the angle. Yeah, as much as the screenshots that we saw online looked clear cut, and if I was taking a pressure gauge on it, I'd probably say it was 90% likely that the ball would cross the line or 95% likely the ball would cross the line. The angle doesn't give you that 100% conclusiveness. Unfortunately, even though it probably should have been a goal, as, as, as you said with Garcia. One thing I do, I did want to say, though, and I picked up on this straight away, is it's, a, it's, a, it's something you learn in your juniors, Blaine. I'm sure you would have played Play to the whistle. The day. Play to the whistle. And unfortunately... There was a few hands being held up. There was a little bit of ball watching. There was a little bit of looking at the referee. And that's why Wenzel Hall steals in and pokes home. So that goal was still preventable even with that ball crossing the line, had it done or not. 
And it's, we seem to see this more in probably football than any other sport, don't we? We just see it, see these players stop and thinking, you know, you know he's going to pick up. But what if he doesn't? Keep playing, boys. Keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is another frustrating part of it is that we did switch off in that respect. And in a game of fine margins, Blaine, mm. we, we speak about the goal line. We speak about the close chances that Fornaroli had. Um, we speak about all these little moments which can swing your game and, and when you really drill into the mechanics, that is that is things that, well, it, it could cost Glory two points that might mean they miss out on a home final or, or, or the finals full stop come the end of season. We never know. The other controversial part on the weekend is how Daniel Stein... Uh, sorry, I'll start that again. How Daniel Sturridge is being used by the Glory. Now... Richard Garcia came out and said after the match, look, we've got a plan on how we want to use him. Yep. Uh, Steve McGarry was on radio this week and said, we've got a plan on how we want to use him. Unfortunately, there's been um, a little bit of conjecture around that, and this is all brought on. Uh, and I must say it came through the comments of, of Tony Sage on, on radio because it's kind of blown this kind of theory out of the water. Let's just have a bit of a listen to what Tony Sage had to say on SEN. After a talk between the two, the, the player and the coach, that he didn't feel like he could contribute. Uh, he's not, look, uh, Richie said it in the post press, he's not used to a four-hour four flight to a game. He's just not used to it. He pulled up uh, on the plane a little bit crampy. Uh, when they did their walk and that, he didn't feel comfortable uh, when they did the, the team walk. So he went up to Richie and said, look, I might not be ready this week. He's got a full week of training now in, in, uh, in Melbourne. Uh, with the squad, no distractions, I think you'll see that you'll get at least 10 or 15 minutes next week building up, and I think you'll see him start by the time he gets back here. It was, it was a talk between the two of them. It wasn't a Richie decision. That was the Tony Sage on SEN uh, Saturday morning, so just 12 hours after this uh, whole event came down. I'm not sure, but I'm, uh, as a fan, I'm not a fan of owners stepping into where a player and a coach are at with who is going to play, how they're going to play, how a player is used in that regard. Um, I'm of the opinion that the chairman or the board has has employed a, a coach to do their job uh, and the coach gets to make the, those decisions, especially after the coach, uh, the, the coach has been, I guess, questioned by the media and, and come out and said something, and then 12 hours later you're going to another media outlet and you're saying something which is uh, could be seen as, as being quite different to what, what the coach said 12 hours earlier. Certainly help, doesn't help the credibility of the messaging, does it? Um, no. And look, I I fully and I, this has been something that's been a bee in my bonnet for for, for quite a for the first few weeks of the season. Blaine is I I fully believe that the Glory do have a plan for Daniel Sturridge to bring him up to speed, given given the amount of time he spent out of the game for for various reasons and how he's still got to build up to what we know Daniel Sturridge can be and what hmm. we want him to be by the end of the season. And I think most Glory fans are understanding of that and aren't expecting him to come in and play 90 minutes straight away and dominate the league and, and be the top scorer in the competition by 10 goals. There are some unrealistic fans who do think that way, though, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's that's another matter. But, um, look, it's just... Unfortunately, though, the, these sort of situations just play out and it just muddies the waters a little bit and it just creates that mixed messaging. And I don't think it helps anybody... That's that's the that's the thing that sort of strikes me the most. I don't, it doesn't benefit the club. It doesn't benefit Daniel Sturridge. It doesn't benefit 
anybody else who like Tony Pinata who then has to come out and, and make a statement um, on social media. I think it was Monday afterwards. I well, think you've got that in front of you. Yeah, I can go through that. And this is Tony Pinata who's had to come and I guess put the fire out, um, so to speak, because there was a bit of furor around this. And let's not forget, this got picked up by the Daily Mail in the UK. They're watching this Daniel Sturridge situation. And when you have a PR disaster like this, it does make the club look quite in- inadequate. So just this is through Tony Pinata. Just to put the record straight, it was not Daniel's decision to play last weekend like any player Daniel wanted to play. But we have a plan for Daniel before he arrived to build his fitness and integrate him into the team. We will want to have, uh, sorry, we want to have and will have the best Daniel Sturridge on the field when the time is right. Daniel has just recently finished two weeks ho- in hotel quarantine and he has just started training with the squad last week given it was a home game and a sellout uh, sellout crowd. Daniel played some minutes in front of our home fans. Daniel is no different than any other player and he will play when deemed ready by the medical team and by Richie. So that's what I think the, the fans needed to hear to begin with. Yeah, and, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, there was there was a big crowd in the house regardless of the situation, uh, regardless of the full, uh, the full crowd at HBF Park, as Tony Pinata articulates there, if Richard Garcia believes that Daniel Sturridge is ready to come off the bench with five minutes to go at HBF Park against Adelaide United, then that's what Richie Garcia deems to be the correct the, the correct way to manage him. If he believes that him not playing against Western United is better for him possibly in the later matches of this road stint that the glory are on, then that that's all fine and, and well as well. But um, like you said, as like you said before, I think all it does is just is just just muddies the messaging a little bit, and I think it just confuses fans because as we as I sort of touched on before, you have got fans who are a little bit not divided, but there's some fans who do who who do seem a little bit unsettled that 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 Storage hasn't really played much yet, but um, but also you've got these people, and and they're obviously itching to see him, but obviously there's going to be a period of time that we've got to wait, but that certainly doesn't help with. That sort of thing certainly doesn't help with trying to just sort of manage those expectations. And and it doesn't help Sturridge either, who's obviously building himself up as well and obviously trying to adapt to life in Australia also, surely. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, as a fan, it wasn't something that I really wanted to hear. Um, it, as I said, it just... Yeah, it muddies the waters uh, terribly, terribly. Let's hopefully we've moved on from this and we do see Daniel uh, play some role this weekend and he's building up to to become, I guess, the player that we all want to see, particularly, um, you know, in the purple of Perth glory. Yeah, it's... A, it, it's we, 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 we say it's a long season, but there, there are still plenty of games left in the season, obviously. Um, and, and there's obviously going to be a period where the glory are at home for for plenty of games in a row. They've got to manage this period, and 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 I think that's what it all comes back to. Whether it's about storage and whether it's about the glory and their team and their performances going forward, it's about managing this period and trying to figure out the best way possible. Whether it be setting up the team, whether it's the game plan, whether it's the managing of players, their workloads, their injuries, whether you play a couple of the MPL guys who've impressed in the FFA Cup. It's all. It's a, this is a period of management up until January where we're trying to get the, the the team in the best position possible to just be in touch. Mm. To just be in touch going into this stretch of home games where the glory can hopefully get some three-point results on the board and, and boost their hopes of, of getting to that finals position. 
It's not been the best of starts, but I think as you touched on at the very start, Blaine, it's not completely doom and gloom either. There have been some positives to to, to sort of take forward. Absolutely. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back after this. This is the Weekly Wrap on the Far Post Perth. If you're as passionate about the A-League as we are, you won't want to miss a second of this season's action. And the easiest, quickest and best way to catch every game from every angle is with the A-League Live app. Simply search A-League Live or Sportsmate in the Apple or Google Play stores. Yeah, part two of the weekly wrap presented by the Far Post Perth podcast in partnership with Sportsmates and the A-League Live app. Blake Treadgold with you with Tommy Dolman. Uh, Tommy, we talked a little bit about Perth glory. Let's have a bit of a look at the other fixtures that went on across round two of the A-League. Uh, Wellington, a team that I thought was going to struggle. I wasn't sure whether they could back it up this year, particularly after a difficult season last year, a long time away from home. Um I can't. I'm not even sure. I can't remember if they actually played a home game in front of a crowd last year, a home crowd at least. So um, I wasn't sure what they were going to do in that respect. But I'm not sure they've actually built on too much of of last year as well. They find themselves two from two. Yeah. Oh well, four points on the board. Oh, four. That, sorry. After, yeah. After that, Drew and MacArthur. Yep. But um, yeah, they looked to have a bit of confidence. Mm. Gary Hooper's in the goals. He's scored in back to back games, um, and that's great news for for Ufi Talley, who's. I think we've spoken. We spoke last week about some of the losses they had, the like Stephen Taylor and Devere. But perhaps the most important person that they kept was Talley in 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 charge of that team. Obviously, I'm sure he would have had had offers to maybe fill a, a couple of voids that were available in, throughout the off season. Um, but yeah, he they've obviously started very well. We should add that they've they've played. MacArthur in in sodden rain sodden mm. conditions in the first week of the season and and a Mariners team that whilst they won last week many did expect to to, to struggle um, throughout this campaign um, but yeah four points on the board you can't really go wrong just wondering Blaine whether you saw the uh, penalty drama late on in the game as uh, uh, Reno Piscopo and uh, Ben Wayne had a bit of a uh, not a coming together but there was a little bit of disagreement who was going to take the kick. And uh, Ben Wayne took it and got saved. Is that the one? That's the one, yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was, that was an interesting sort of side note. Obviously, it was all's, all's well that ends well as they won 2-1. Um, look, on the Mariners sort of side of things, they they obviously won against the Jets. And we did, we did so when we did praise the Mariners last week on the show, um, many had them low down, as, as I mentioned before. So we can't really get too grumpy and too surprised about a loss here and there. I think that's just going to be how it's going to be for them for the season. They are going to pull a result um, in some games this season because they have still got some some decent players there. But um, there's going to be some ups and downs. And I think there's still enough to be optimistic about if you are a Mariners fan because they always have good players coming coming through their system and, and we'll see how it how it sort of unfolds throughout the course of the season. Mm. Uh, let's have a bit of a, a look at Adelaide and Melbourne City. Now, I was watching this match. Similarly enough, City's cruising along at 60 minutes. I'm going in and out and doing a bit of work. I'll go do something else. I can't see anything happening. This is going to finish either 2-0 or maybe 3-0. 
Uh, I step back in to have a bit of a look to see what's going on. All of a sudden, it's it's 2-1. I might sit down and watch the last uh, 15 minutes. What a belter that was in the second half particularly. Great game, wasn't it? I, I only caught the uh, the mini-match of this on on the on Paramount the next day. Um, but yeah, it seemed as though Adelaide United started the game well again as they did against as as they did against the glory the week before and they finished it pretty strongly as well. There were sort of shades of last week for City, wasn't there? If we remember last week, they were 2-0 up against Brisbane and seemingly cruising. Mm. The Raw pulled one back. And then they were probably unlucky not to get an equaliser by the end of the game, Brisbane. So um, that's maybe something just to watch with City as to whether that's going to be a trend going forward because they are seemingly having these periods where they are able to get on top and that quality in the front three. A great goal from the boo, by the way, the outside oh, of the foot. Belter. Um, a Ricardo Koreshma-like finish <laughs> off the outside of the boot. But... Um, he did that for New. Uh, didn't he? I'm sure he pulled one out of the bag like that for Newcastle when he was up there. He tries that the half boot. a dozen times a game, doesn't he? Yeah, that's that. Yeah, it feels like. But um, but yeah, it's just going to be something to watch with, with City going forward. Uh, obviously, they've they've got the best sort of squad in the league, but it's going to be interesting to see whether that's going to be a pattern for the next few weeks as to whether any teams can sort of capitalise that on that going forward. Um, yeah, I I I think. I think the the thing to sort of take out of it was that Adelaide were pretty good again, though, as well. Um, they had more possession than City, um, which which was probably a, bit, a little bit of a surprise for me, um, having also dominated the possession against Glory. I think they had about 63% of the ball against Glory the week before at, at HBF Park. So I think there's a lot to like about the Reds. I know we saw them up close and personal in the early part of the season and said they could be fun going forward and that they maybe just have to sort out a few defensive areas. They certainly look like they're, they're going to be a team that are going to entertain, and and, and they look pretty good early, early on. Mm. I'm just going to play you this. This is Jamie McLaren after the match, and I haven't heard Jamie McLaren speak like this before. I, I've never, I'm not saying he hasn't, but I never realised he could get so fired up as this. This is uh, Jamie McLaren talking to Michael Zappone on uh, on Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Pissed off, mate, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's many moments, and when you have five minutes to go and you're trying to play it from the back, you got to be better. And we'll look at ourselves in the mirror, and, and we'll find out in the dressing room. Looking at Patrick Isnorbo's uh, reaction to that, he wasn't upset with Jordan Boss. He was upset with Tommy Glover, the, the goalkeeper. In that situation, I think he was saying, just kick it long. Is it safety first, better option? I mean, it is, but it's a, it's a chain-on effect. There's many many decisions that happen there that cost us the goal. So I'm not just going to uh, throw Tommy Glover on the bus, but at the same time, we need to be better. 2-0 um, up. We, we, we look comfortable. They're always going to have patches because they're a good team, but we need to be better. We should have be coming away with three points tonight. Yeah, Tommy, that was uh, Jamie McLaren speaking to Michael Zapone. He's got a bit of a... I wouldn't say a streak, but I mean he's probably got a right to be pretty darn annoyed. But some of the words said we'll go and work out this out in in the uh, in the dressing rooms. I wasn't sure about the tone of that. Yeah, it, it was an interesting post match interview, wasn't it? And and we've seen a, we've seen a few colourful ones in the A League in the past, haven't we? Either at half time or or at full time, where perhaps things are said in the heat of the moment, and maybe the words would have been betterly cho- better chosen after a period of time. Look, I've seen some mixed reaction to this. I personally don't mind it. Mm. Uh, some people have, have sort of maybe said that it, it could... I've, I've Somebody said, I can't remember who it was, that it may cause fractions in the dressing yeah, room. Yeah, Luke Wilkshire said it on uh, keepup.com.au. Yeah, I, I, and I'm, I'm not too sure about that. I, I think 
I think the thing is when you when you're in Melbourne City, you're obviously part of the City Football Group, and and there's a way of football that they're trying to sort of implement there. And when you play out from the back, these things are invariably going to happen from time to time. A pass is either going to fall short, someone might not be on the same wavelength, um, and it's easy for us to just sit there and say let's let's pump the ball long and up forward. But when you've got a philosophy and you're trying to play a certain way, then 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 sometimes that's just it's just how it happens, isn't mm. it? No, it is. It is. And uh, there's plenty of teams that have been uh, un- unstuck like that. We're Leeds fans, mate. So we, we see it on, on a weekly basis. It's Bielsa or a bust. And if you score a goal, so be it. It was if a you well, can see the goal. So and it was it. a well-taken finish by Halloran as well. Oh, we it was beautiful. Should, we should say that. Absolutely. It's uh, jumping absolutely Still on Still had to that. finish the chance. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. I just thought his, um, particularly Jamie McLaren's comments were were, uh, were quite spicy there. Let's have a bit of a look at MacArthur, Sydney FC. Now, when I said at the start of the program, it didn't look the table like we thought it would. Um, Sydney FC are finding themselves in, uh, you know, unnatural territory for the Sky Blues. Yeah, this was probably the most surprising result of the weekend, I think it's fair to say. And this was the game that you picked out to to watch for this week, Mm. I remember, Blaine. But I don't think you would have uh, predicted that this was going to be the way it unfolded. Um, Obviously, Lockie Rose scoring for the second week in a row after his equaliser against Wellington. So so good for him to score in back-to-back games. I just wonder how much the news of Luke Bratton's injury affected Sydney FC in this game. Obviously, he's, he's, he's... a, a really good player, as, as we know, mm. a very consistent A-League player. And he's a bit of a heartbeat with the way he sort of passes that ball. Um, you just wonder how much of a factor that played. And obviously, it was a blow. And, and obviously, there's emotional probably reasons as well at stake. Obviously, you see a teammate and someone who's prominent in your midfield going down. And you're still trying to sort of figure it out a bit. But that said... Um, with it, having not seen, again, just, just the highlights of the game, I probably did expect to see some slightly better, more clear-cut chances from Sydney FC created throughout the game. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on it were. Um, I kind of saw bits and pieces of, of this one. Um, I saw the shout for a pen from Craig Noon, uh, Ninkovic on, on Craig Noon. I thought it was a pen. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd go with that. I, I thought it was a pen. I, I thought it, I thought it was avoidable. Um, there seemed to be uh, a, a left his kind of knee and his and his leg out, which which caused the contact. Nikovic, which I thought was a new. Uh, Craig Noon was adamant. He was straight up at the mm. ref and straight up at the uh, lino to say, "Hey, what's going on?" That was a clear pen. Um, I've got to admit, I had a two or three looks at it because VAR was going through that, and I'm not sure how. Once again, how they couldn't give it. I mean, yeah, we don't want to turn this into a VAR podcast, oh, we do no, but, 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 we... but when they do influence games, yeah. it is hard not to talk about it. I, yeah. I do take your point. Um, but but in terms of the result for MacArthur, it was a, a tremendous result for them. We've, we've spoken about the talent that they've got in their team, and, and, and we spoke last week about teams possibly getting wins on the board, while teams like Sydney FC are still maybe a little bit cold in the early part of the season, and they've certainly... Gone and done that. Just on next week as well, I know we spoke last week about their, their home game um, and, and the pitch from week one. Their week three game will be played at Penrith's Stadium, I believe, and not Campbelltown. Uh, that's their home game against the Central Coast Mariners, which I think is on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Just saying, that's a long way from MacArthur as well. I mean, we thought Newcastle Newcastle's a further way, but uh, Campbelltown's still a decent decent period away from, um, from Penrith. So that's not going to... Please, too many MacArthur fans. 
Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what the turnout's like, that's for sure. Well, I'm not expecting much. I'll just give you the hot tip right now. Uh, let's have a let's have a bit of a look at a Melbourne victory, aka Glory 2.0. This was a hard one to watch for a diehard Glory fan. I think it was a great game to watch if you're a uh, a victory fan. I think you'd be purring at the prospect mm. of, uh, of of what you've seen, although perhaps not quite at their their fluid best. And Brisbane were a little bit off the mark. Um, Joey Lynch said on Twitter, actually, this was the first time Victory had won their uh, first two A-League games since 0607. 06-07. We were trying to work it out because uh, we actually had a barbecue at my place with a good mate of mine, Anthony, who's a Victory fan, and he thought it was about 08-09, so mm. even better. 0607, that's a that's a good bit of trivia there. And they went on to win the double that year as well, Blaine, which uh, I, can, I can hear the, the sign in your voice part there. Of me, part of me just died. Look, it was pretty ominous. Um, the, the game was essentially over at half time. Yeah. The, the victory, victory looked very strong. Um, some definitely some signs of, of Tony Popovich football, which we've obviously seen at the Glory um, in recent times as well. Um, and obviously, still with with um, Economides um, still to come back into that team as well. So, um, look, they look strong. Um, we did. I think most people would have had them in their top two or the top three at the very least, and that Popovich would would eventually sort it out, even if there was some early teething problems. On the basis of the first two weeks, um, whilst um, maybe not the most fluid going forward, there's certainly plenty of talent in that team and two clean sheets as well, Blaine. They, they look like they're going to be very difficult for teams to break down this season. Mm, um, it doesn't bode well next week for Perth, does it? Uh, in the, in the coming off this four Melbourne victory, uh, as we said a little bit off air, I um, uh, before we started this pod, I'm just hoping that they might have played a, a big game last week and they might struggle to back it up this week, particularly so early in the season. I thought it was not a bad time to try and catch this side at the moment, and that's early in the season. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I got a bit miffed about Warren Moon not using Ivanovic after his debut last week. I, I thought, and actually it was interesting because once we did see him, I think their first probably clear-cut chance of the match actually came through Ivanovic. So yeah. I, the game was already gone by that stage. But yeah. it was interesting that when you have a guy that's confident scoring on debut, I, I don't see a point in, in pulling him out. You play him again and see if he can, wants to go again and see if he can reach that next level. Yeah, I mean, it should be said. I'm not sure if you've got the synopsis of the game in front of you, Blaine, but um, but Brisbane Raw, I believe, ended the game with more possession than than Melbourne Victory at the end of it, which would be which is quite a stark thing when you think about how the game sort of transpired. But but as we've seen before at the Glory, the Melbourne, I think Melbourne Victory were very happy to let Brisbane Raw have the ball mm. and and obviously pick them off when possible. And we saw that when. Um, that last that third goal from Falami went in early in the second half. That was that that was game well and truly won and done. And and Melbourne were able to manage the game out from then on in. Just quickly, mate, because we're starting to start pushing for time. Uh, just have a quick look. A fifteen shots to thirteen in favour of the Raw. Six shots on target to four in favour of the Raw. Fifty two percent of possession for the Raw. Almost fifty more passes for the Raw. Um, Pass accuracy was better. Fouls were the same. I'm not sure what this really says about the match. Is that uh, victory were just ruthless? Yeah, they got their two goals in in four minutes, five minutes. Took the game away from Brisbane, and then and then we're quite happy to just manage the game out. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to Western Sydney Newcastle. You picked this one last week, and 
This was a beauty. This was end-to-end. I'm in the middle of trying to cook a barbie on a Sunday afternoon in the backyard and trying to keep an eye on this one. I had the sound on, and every now and then I found myself just peeking around the corner to get a better look at the TV. This was a beauty. I'm absolutely furious that you've left this game till last in the rundown, Blaine, because this was the chronological order. Absolutely game of the week. The, the Jets were absolutely brilliant in the first half. And, and over the 90 minutes, I know the stats say the Wanderers had more chances, but, geez, I thought on Newcastle were unlucky. They were 1-0 up. They could have been 2-0, 3-0 up. And it wasn't It wasn't, It wasn't. until an Abini strike on the stroke of halftime, really crisply hit drive, by the way, um, pulled the Wanderers level. And then Hemed got them ahead in the second half. Another nice finish too, but, um, geez... I think if um, if Newcastle had gotten that second goal or third goal, I think the pressure would have well and truly have been ramps on, on Robinson, as we alluded to last week. I really like what Arthur Pappas is putting in place there. The foreign players like Mikkel Tadzi and Boomal obviously both scored. They looked a little bit more gelled from the first week. Um, and Pena was sort of gliding through midfield with the ball more. Uh, Ewell, who you, mm. who you picked out last week, was impressive, particularly in the early stage of the game. And, and Angus Thurgate was just about the, the man of the match. He was running the midfield, and I, I don't know... I don't know how long he sat on the charger for during the week, but he just didn't stop all game. He was he was an energizer buddy in that midfield. Isn't so. it funny how I never really rated Angus Thurgate? Like I thought he was a handy player, but isn't it funny how a new coach can come in with a new system, a bit more of a buzz, and all of a sudden these mm. so-called average or handy players can turn and have the game of their life? Yeah, I think it was just the desire to get around the pitch. And, and it's amazing what that, that extra 10% or uh, if, if it is indeed 10% can sort of can sort of bring you. So, look, I think the Jets are going to be super fun to watch this season. They're playing Sydney FC this weekend. And after Sydney's result at the weekend, that's not going to be an easy game for, for them by any stretch. So, um, yeah, look, I know a draw and a loss is next to the Jets' name uh, on the A-League table, um, a little bit like the glory, but I think there's a lot of positives to take there. They're going to be a fun watch, and and that's a good thing, obviously, for the A-League's men's. Um, I just wanted to touch on the Wanderers quickly. Um, we sort of put them over under the microscope a little bit last mm. week. They, they could hardly get a foot on the ball in the first half. It was quite alarming, and it wasn't until Jack Rodwell came on um, and sort of settled the game down a little bit more should Addy could have been sent off? Should for he have a, gone? I was just going to say yeah. that. Should he have gone for that? It was a rough tackle, wasn't it? And that was a Merseyside derby type yeah. tackle, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think if you if you're being fair, I think he was pretty fortunate to get away with a yellow card because a lot of a lot of referees would have sent him off for that challenge. But once again, um, we still don't know. I'm going to bring this back up again. We still don't know if VAR actually had a look at that because it would have been interesting. No, no I, I'm not sure either. I can't quite remember now that I now that I think mm. about it, but. Yeah, look, the Wanderers are still trying to sort some some things out. Um, there was a lot of long-range Petrados efforts as well. He seems to be not quite on the same wavelength as some of his teammates. Um, and, and I guess from the Wanderers' perspective, again, what is it, two draws to their name early in the season. So remarkably yet to lose a game despite the, the sort of pressure that we've sort of said that Robinson may be under. Um, but the performances maybe aren't quite there yet. And that just looked like a, a game with two teams. Like the, the Jets clearly have an identity under Pappas. Yeah. They they know how they want to play. They want to attack. They want to bring energy. They want to take risks. 
And the Wanderers, they've got some quality players, but we perhaps don't quite know their identity or mm. run any clear on it after two games. Absolutely. Let's have a quick look at the table. Melbourne victory, 100% record, six points from two games, followed by Melbourne City, Wellington, Phoenix and MacArthur, all on four points. Central Coast sit with the one, one win, one loss, as do Western United. It is followed by Adelaide in seventh with the two points. Western Sydney, eighth with two points. Newcastle, Perth and Sydney with the one point and Brisbane Raw uh, yet to get off the mark uh, in the uh, holding up the, uh, the the table there Tommy so uh, we'll see what happens next week just looking a little bit further ahead uh, it all kicks off Friday night Wellington taking on the Western Sydney Wanderers first game Saturday is the Brisbane Raw taking on Adelaide United uh, the television match is looking to be I think it's Melbourne is it Melbourne Sydney and the Jets okay so it is Sydney and the Jets at 4.45 Perth time uh, Melbourne City will take on Western United, which could also be another interesting clash with all these derbies going on at the moment. MacArthur will take on Central Coast out there at Penrith, as mentioned, and Perth will play the last fixture of the round against Melbourne Victory. So we'll be crossing our fingers for that one. Uh, Tommy, first week of the A-League women's competition, formerly known as the W League. Perth Glory, let's start I have a bit of a preview with them. Uh, 7.05 Saturday night at Sterling Park, formerly known as Macedonia Park. Uh, is it Macedonia Park? Everyone knows. It's the Anyway, it's the ground that uh, Sterling Lions play at, whatever you want to call it these days. Sterling Park for this composition, I, I'm, I'm guessing, Blaine. Yep, yep. I, yep. Uh, how are you seeing uh, what they've built at the moment? It's going to be very interesting. Um it was a very difficult season for the, for the mm. Glory last season. Uh, obviously, they, they didn't win a game. They, they I think they only registered just the one draw. Um, there was a lot of um, COVID reasons why things didn't quite pan out. And then and then to obviously lose Gemma Crane to a hamstring injury, as they did, which was so heartbreaking. I remember being there at the time when that happened, and you could just feel all the... The WA um, local fans had gone out to watch Gemma, who'd performed so well in the in the MPLW mm. competition. She got her opportunity, and it it didn't quite um, sort of materialise for her, and her season was sadly cut short. Um, a few of the experienced names that we've become accustomed to sort of seeing in the purple colours, the likes of Kat Yukich, Mariana Tabain, um, Jamie Lee Gale, no longer there anymore. Um Caitlin Douglas also was, I think she was one of the few positives of last season as well. She's still out with her ACL a little bit longer. Mm. Lily Olford's um, gone to join uh, the Wellington Phoenix's women's She'll team. She'll captain them this year. At, at age 26. Mm. I think she's the, the oldest player in their team. So that's going to be interesting for them. And we obviously wish them the, the best in their journey in the in the women's competition as well. Um, in terms of the ins, Alex has gone for a, a younger team. Um a lot of younger players from over east in particular. Some of them, I must admit, I don't know too much about. The likes of Claudia Mahocic, uh, so- Sofia Sakalis, and Alana Jansevsky, who's had really good raps on her from followers of, of the MPLW um, in Victoria over there. And a couple of familiar names also return. The likes of Morgan Aquino, who I believe is going to be on your show later this week, Blaine, possibly. And and Kim Carroll as well, who, yep. who's come back from the Brisbane Raw. So um, the intriguing additions... I suppose the new the new signings for me are Sadie Lawrence, who for me was the best midfielder in the MPLWA last season. I put that I say I say that with a uh, a sort of biased hat on, given I watch a lot of that competition. And um, yeah, she she's just a, she's a real leader, all action midfielder, can do it both ways. 
Um, she netted double figures as well last season. I think her in, her intelligence and her decision making is something that really sets her apart from the rest. So I'm really intrigued to see in her second stint at the club whether she can make the step up um, and and perform consistently at this level. Um, obviously, we've touched on Gemma Crane. She's an elite ball carrier. She'll be someone the glory are looking to no doubt go through a lot this season. Um, but she's a real entertainer, and, and hopefully the Glory fans will get down to see her in action as well. And and among some of the other new signings, we've obviously got Mia Lethians, 26-time Danish international, runner-up in the Women's Euros in 2017 with Denmark, played for Manchester City as well. And I just wanted to ask you a little bit about Lisa Devanna as well, Blaine, because you interviewed her on, on mm. your show on, on Sport FM, I think it was last week. So in terms, I, I caught up with the interview, but I suppose just for, for people who didn't, how did you sort of gauge... Lisa's sort of enthusiasm uh, for getting back into wearing the purple shirt this season. It is funny because we were talking about I'm not sure if it was me and me and you even Tommy or, or me and um, someone else but I do remember having the um, having the conversation with a few people and said look it would just be so sad if we did lose Lisa Devana to, to football. Um, it's still evident that Lisa's still working through some things as is perfectly natural um, but how great is it to have her home, have her back in the glory? And I think there's still a feeling that she wants to still, she still feels like there's a, a bit to give um, in, in some way, shape and form. So I, I think it's good. Um, she said that, um, you know, there's no pressure. They're, they're not putting any pressure on her. But it, however, she's still putting pressure on herself. So that tells me there's still that drive to want to play, still want, to, want wants to win and still wants to, I guess, contribute. So it's yeah. positive as far as I can see. And, and what a player for young Hannah Lowry to learn off as well. Uh, well, like- it's funny because uh, actually Lisa did specifically mention Hannah and said, look, this is someone that I can possibly mentor to go on to bigger and better things really? as far as her career goes, whether it's uh, playing uh, football overseas or even uh, trying to make her way into the national team, uh, the senior national team, that is. Yeah, she's definitely going places, Hannah, and, and um, she'll she'll benefit a lot from that leadership from, from Lisa. As you say, there's no better person to, to learn off. And also for Abby Green as well, who's a, who's another youngster. She she was actually the, the injury replacement player for Gemma Crane last season. Really fast fast winger um, who really gets up and down that touchline. Still has probably a little bit to work on in terms of her final ball, but she's an excitement machine. And if we see some minutes from her off the bench, I think she can really help to stretch defences as as the games wear on. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I think we can't... We obviously saw a few of these players last season um, in what was an affected campaign. The positive thing for me, though, with the glory is that Alex Apakis did his recruitment as real early. He built that he built that team for the A-League women's competitions quite early on in the campaign. So he knew what his team was going to be like by maybe one or two mm. who came a bit later, like Sadie Lawrence. Um, and you'll hope that that sort of work that they've done, um, now that obviously Alex did come over, he was over for the MPL games um, in uh, the MPL finals games and a little bit before that. So he, he would have seen them. He would have been working with the girls for quite some time and communicating them. Hopefully that leads to a better season for the women's team this campaign. Yeah, let's hope so. Perth Glory take on Brisbane Raw in the A-League women's competition. As mentioned, 7.05 this Saturday night. That's the 4th of December. Um, the A-League men's are away, so there's no excuse. If you want to get out and see some football, it should be a warm evening. It'll be a balmy evening, but it should be all clear conditions and fantastic just to go down there in the, in the shorts and the flip-flop 
stops, Tommy, if you want to take in some football live and w- with a beer or some bit of something to eat down at um, Sterling Lions. Yeah, great facilities down there. And I got my ticket today. Uh, the Glory put out those details on their socials. So go and have a look there if you want more information. Uh, $12 a ticket. So oh, it's, it's $12 a ticket. Yeah, so you get, get your ticket, get down there. Good night out. I would have bought you a ticket for $12, Tom. Oh, you can buy me a uh, buy me a pint at the game instead, Blaine. <laughs> $12 is a bit much for a pint, but that's okay. Uh, Wellington, Western Sydney, uh, that kicks off the round Friday night. Uh, that is 2.05. Sorry, it's Friday afternoon, I should say. That is 2.05 over there in... Actually, I'm assuming that's going to be played uh, in Australia because I'm not sure whether uh, whether Wellington is playing. Perth time. It's a, it's actually a double header. So okay. So Wellington and Western Sydney are playing in the women's competition uh, in, as part of a double header in Wollongong before the men's game on Friday night. Well, there you go. Yeah, beauty. Uh, Canberra United will take on Melbourne City on Friday as well. Uh, Sydney will take on Newcastle. That is Saturday afternoon. As mentioned, Perth take on Brisbane Saturday evening, and on the Sunday will be Melbourne victory the reigning champions to take on Adelaide United and that victory Adelaide game is also double header which is before the Melbourne uh, victory and glory game so it's it's going to be interesting to see how they mesh in these these double headers mm. hopefully from a glory perspective once it gets to January February time we might see an opportunity Obviously, I know it's a little bit more difficult to schedule games in the afternoon with the conditions, but hopefully we get to see a bit of men's and women's crossover this campaign. At Absolutely. Park. Yep, yep, let's hope so. Uh, we've waffled on enough, Tommy. Thanks very much for jumping in again. We'll do it again next week. This has been the Weekly Wrap. Thanks to Sportsmate and the A-League Live app. If you want to get your hands on that, it's a beauty's head over to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, wherever you get all of your apps. And also, if you want to check out the Far Post Perth, as always, check us out on all of the social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'll see you next Tuesday.